0: The History Channel, original podcast.
1: Washington had been on a losing streak. He had had an absolutely terrible year in New York. He had redeemed himself a little bit with the Battle of Trenton, but then had lost Philadelphia.
2: Philadelphia is a great prize. It's the rebel capital, a lot of propaganda value.
3: There really begins to be kind of a whisper campaign about, should Washington be in command of the army?
4: From the History Channel.
5: They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
4: It's the fall of 1777. The Continental Army now comprises three factions— Washington's main army is fighting in the Mid-Atlantic. The Southern Army defends Virginia, Georgia, and the Carolinas, and the Northern Army is in the Hudson Valley, north of New York City. It is here that the British are attempting to seize control of the Hudson River, a key strategic focus of the Revolutionary War. But the Northern Army is holding firm. The Northern Army's commander is Horatio Gates, a veteran soldier and one of the original contenders for Washington's job. His army clashes with the British near the town of Saratoga, 40 miles north of Albany, New York. Historian Colonel Kevin J. Weddle says Gates' name is on the lips of many in the capitol.
2: There's rumblings in Congress and other places, even in the Army, who should really be the commander-in-chief. There's a lot of those folks who are talking about Gates being uh, the logical successor to George Washington.
4: Though the British claim victory in that initial upstate New York battle, the colonists inflict heavy casualties, thanks in part to the bold battlefield tactics of one of Washington's rising stars— a former merchant from Connecticut named Benedict Arnold. Now in October, after nearly a month of stalemate, Arnold is on the field once again to block Britain's advance on Saratoga. This time, the Continental Army succeeds.
5: Arnold was one of Washington's best officers.
4: Benedict Arnold demonstrates absolute devotion to the cause of the Revolution. He's willing to take extraordinary risks for it. Author Nathaniel Filbert calls him a star.
5: He was brilliant on the
4: battlefield,
5: decisive, great strategic sense. The Battle of Saratoga was a punch to the gut for the British Army. They had assumed this was going to give them the victory but that would shut down the revolution. But it was just the opposite.
4: It's a stunning victory with an enormous impact for the American cause. And Arnold is the great hero of the moment. But his heroics come at a price. In the last moments of battle, he's shot in the left leg, which is then crushed by his falling horse. Biographer Alexis Coe says that opens up an opportunity for Gates.
6: He is taken to a hospital in Albany. And meanwhile, back in the center of of the action, Horatio Gates who did not leave his tent during Saratoga, takes credit for the
4: victory. Gates is not just looking to steal Arnold's glory. His real intention is to make a play for the job of his commanding officer, George Washington. But, says biographer Edward G. Lengel, his approach will be indirect.
7: Gates is very careful not to put himself on paper as saying, I want to take charge, but he speaks with Washington's opponents and he encourages them to begin lobbying in Congress and elsewhere for Washington's deposition. And when the criticisms of Washington arise, certain young men in what Washington calls his military family step to the fore, identify Washington's critics and do their best to destroy them. And nobody steps forward with more aggressiveness than Alexander Hamilton.
4: Hamilton writes All the true and sensible friends to their country and, of course, to a certain great man ought to be upon the watch to counterplot the secret machinations of his enemies. The 21 year old captain who commanded an artillery unit at the Battle of Trenton is now one of the commander-in-chief's most trusted aide-de-camp. Here's Yale University historian Joanne B. Freeman.
3: In an aid, what Washington needs is someone who can write for him, can speak for him, can act for him in a way that's true to him.
4: Another of Washington's staunchest allies is the 19-year-old Marquis de Lafayette.
3: The Marquis de Lafayette is a young French nobleman who is inspired by the cause of what's going on in America. So he comes to the United States and commits himself to the effort. He's very young and very eager, and you certainly get a sense that Washington and Lafayette become very close
7: very quickly. Lafayette has joined Washington's army as a volunteer. He was wounded at the Battle of Brandywine, and he's now been appointed a general in the Continental Army.
4: In September of 1777, Congress flees the capital of Philadelphia after the British invasion. In October, Washington tries to take back the city and fails. He retreats and sets up an encampment at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, about 18 miles from the city. As Washington begins the long winter at Valley Forge, his critics are still plotting against him. In January 1778, an anonymous letter written by Washington's enemies and known as Thoughts of a Freeman circulates in the Congress making the case for his removal. The letter includes a scathing list of the commander's failures. That the enemies taking possession of the city of Philadelphia with so little loss in opposition has been very discouraging to many of the true friends of America. That more men will die this winter than it would have cost lives to have conquered the enemy last summer and fall. That it is a very great reproach to America to say there is only one general in it. White House historian Lindsay M. Chervinsky says, However untrue, this indictment of Washington's command takes a toll.
1: Washington was worried the American people were going to believe this criticism. He worried he was going to lose their support.
4: Nearly three years into the war, George Washington is facing escalating personal attacks and a new enemy, winter. Plagued by disease and desperately hungry, the men of Washington's main fighting force are battling to stay alive. Food supplies are running low, and what little they do have grows more rancid by the day. The British and the Continental Armies are encamped so close, they're drawing supplies from the same farms. Author Joseph J. Ellis puts it bluntly.
5: There's a battle going
4: on for food, and the British are winning. As author Alan Taylor explains... The farmers are reluctant to bet their future on the defeat of the British.
2: Americans don't have gold and silver, and so they're offering payment and paper money. Farmers don't like having bushels of paper money of diminishing value when they could be offered gold and silver if they will trade it with the British.
1: And a lot of states really hoarded their resources in the event that Britain decided to make its next campaign in their state.
4: As the winter drags on, Washington grows more desperate for supplies begging the states. He's begging Congress.
1: I need you to raise more money so that I can feed my soldiers, so that I can give them shoes, so that I can have the proper amount of gunpowder to actually be able to fire my cannons.
4: Despite the seemingly insurmountable pressures on him, Washington remains resolute. Here is the University of Texas historian H.W. Brands.
2: Many another person in Washington's position would have said, I can't do this. If you're not going to give me the resources to win, then I'm not going to take this. But Washington had committed himself personally to this, and he was going to see it through to
4: the end. Two months into winter, Martha Washington arrives at Valley Forge to support both her husband and the cause. Martha will visit George Washington at every encampment throughout the entire war.
6: She joins him for some of the roughest campaigns and for long winters. She's there.
7: Martha is no chimney-corner wife. She's not going to go and sit and knit for him. She insists on taking a visible role in camp.
6: Martha leads by example. She's tending to the sick, and she's receiving people. So she's also sort of working the diplomatic relations for Washington.
4: Douglas Bradburn, president and CEO of Mount Vernon, says this attitude is emblematic of the couple. They both
0: shared that powerful sense that the people needed them, and it was this duty and this sacrifice and service that was part of the cause.
3: It had an impact on headquarters and on the general morale of people who were there, and I think was important as a figure who Washington could trust in a way that possibly he couldn't trust anyone else.
4: In February 1778... Frustrated by his failure to rally Congress, Washington makes a direct appeal to the people. His address to the mid-Atlantic states is published in all the local papers. Friends, countrymen, and fellow citizens, it is to be feared that so large an army may suffer for the want of provisions. It is therefore recommended to the inhabitants of those states to put up and feed immediately as many of their stock cattle as they can spare. He then appeals to the Congressional delegates to come to Valley Forge so they can witness the misery of his army firsthand.
7: Delegates to Congress, they recognize now that things really are just as desperate as Washington has betrayed them.
4: They discover something else, against tremendous odds, an army being held together by one man. He can win this war if he can keep his army
2: together. Valley Forge was all about preventing his soldiers from
7: saying, I quit. The impact of Washington's dedication at Valley Forge is huge. He was there with them. He shared their hardship, and he showed
2: them that they could get through this. When soldiers see their officers with them, eating the same lousy food, getting the same lousy amount of sleep, living in the same awful conditions, then my officers can do it, I can do it. That's what leadership's all about. This is Washingtonian. Survive and you shall succeed. They survived.
5: Valley Forge was the light in the darkness because Washington
4: had the courage to endure. Washington's command also endures. After months of whispers, the talk of General Gates replacing Washington is no more.
2: The great majority of the officers in the Army stand by Washington. And they make it clear to Congress that if they want to keep an army together, it has to be kept together under Washington.
4: While there's never a battle, an estimated 2,000 men ultimately die of disease and starvation at Valley Forge. When spring arrives, Washington still has some 10,000 soldiers fit to fight. And he's received word that much-needed help is on the way. But it's not from Congress.
2: France is impressed by Washington's ability to keep his army going.
4: For years, the colonies have sought an ally with the power to rival Britain. In the spring of 1778, they secure one. Benjamin Franklin brokers a treaty between America and England's greatest rival, France.
3: For the Americans, it's a huge moment because now they have this major empire giving vital support and supplies and funds.
7: Washington finally sees hope. He begins now to think of a final campaign and ending the war in one fell swoop.
4: By May... With the desperate winter behind him and the French now on his side, General Washington is looking ahead to the next phase of the war. But first, he has a thank you to bestow on the hero of Saratoga.
8: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
4: For the past seven months, Benedict Arnold has been attempting to regain his strength after the injury he suffered at Saratoga when his horse fell on him in battle. His left leg is now two inches shorter than his right. Sideline, at least to his mind, and frustrated, Arnold is nursing resentment.
0: He's getting passed over for all these other people with political connections to Congress. And even when he gets promotions, he
5: doesn't get the commands he wants. Washington clearly felt that Arnold was worthy, but Congress in its wisdom decided not to give Arnold a promotion.
6: Arnold is stewing. He's getting over his injury. Congress still hasn't repaid him for money that he fronted at the beginning of the war. He's in debt.
5: So Arnold began to wonder, why am I doing this? Is this country living up to the commitments
4: it's made to me? In June of 1778, Washington presents him with an opportunity that has the potential to advance Arnold's career. The Redcoats have abandoned Philadelphia to bolster their troops in New York, which is now under attack by the French Navy.
2: After the British evacuate,
4: Washington puts
5: Arnold in command of Philadelphia. Washington saw Arnold as a kind of project, someone uh, that, if nurtured, could become a truly spectacular, balanced leader. But once military governor of Philadelphia, Arnold decided it was time for him to begin to profit from this war. And so he began to launch into a series of investment schemes.
7: He is accused of corruption. He has to go through a court martial, which largely finds him innocent, but also gives him a slap on the wrist. Arnold can't stand it.
6: He became embittered over time, much in the way we saw young Washington become embittered. But Washington didn't hold on to the vestiges of the past, whereas Arnold tended to his grudges like a garden.
4: The following spring of 1779, Arnold makes contact with British intelligence, starting down a path to the betrayals we remember him for today.
1: Arnold had sent a letter to John Andre, who was a British officer, offered some information. He was kind of ignored. His wife, Peggy Shipman, had been in Philadelphia during the British occupation and had been good friends with John Andre. And so Arnold started navigating his way to getting command of West Point.
4: West Point is a massive fortification project located 50 miles north of New York City. Today, it is the site of the United States Military Academy. Washington believes it is the most important piece of strategic real estate in his arsenal. The key to keeping the British from the goal they've yet to achieve in three years of the war. Complete domination of the Hudson River.
7: If the British capture West Point, they may well be able to capture the entire Hudson River and decapitate the revolution.
4: West Point is also the key to Washington's strategy for an assault on British-occupied New York City. And this plan would include a field command for Benedict Arnold but Arnold seems set on a post at West Point.
3: And there's an interesting moment where he's finally offered something of a promotion, and he says, no, actually, I'd rather be given command of West Point, which ultimately baffles Washington. Like, what? Like, after all of this ambition, I'm giving you a better position, and you just want to be in charge of West Point? Now, of course, no one has any reason to know why he's
4: doing that. By the time Washington agrees to the appointment, Arnold's already been sharing secrets with the British for more than a year, aided by his wife, Peggy Shippen. For his deception, he stands to earn £20,000, a lifetime pension, and a British officer's commission, if he is able to deliver West Point to the British. The plans for this involve capturing Washington while he's dining with Arnold. As Washington heads for the fort where he plans to meet Arnold, the traitor is putting his plan into effect.
5: Andre has made his way up the Hudson for a secret meeting with Arnold. However, Andre, on his way back, is captured by some militiamen. People begin to realize something is up.
4: John Andre is carrying papers from Arnold when he is detained. Washington is immediately informed.
3: When Arnold's betrayal is discovered, Washington and his immediate staff are headed to Arnold to his home, so Arnold flees. And little by little, these letters are coming in that are revealing to Washington and his staff that Arnold has betrayed the nation, he's committed treason, he's turned to the British.
5: Benedict Arnold has betrayed not just Washington, he's also betrayed every single
4: American. And he's escaped. When Arnold gets word of the capture, he rushes to the riverbank and orders the very same barge that brought Andre up the Hudson to help him flee south. After six long years of struggle, the British are striking directly at the city that has become the heart of the Patriot cause, and leading the charge is turncoat Benedict Arnold, who is now a British brigadier general on the front lines.
5: Arnold is sent to the Chesapeake to attack the American forces in Washington's backyard, and soon Richmond, the capital of Virginia, is in flames.
0: It's a double blow, not only to have betrayed the cause, but then to lead a successful raid in the heart of the revolution. It made Americans furious.
4: By now, it's 1781. Washington games out his options for retaking some important lost territory. The French have been allied to America since early 1778, and while they have a fleet and more than 5,000 troops stationed in New England, they have yet to join the fight. Washington thinks the time for them to act is now. Washington
7: has been cultivating Rochambeau To plan for an all-out assault on New York City, he still believes that's the best way to win the war.
4: But the French commander, Comte de Rochambeau, is not convinced. And so for now, Washington must face the British surge on his own. By January, the revolutionary cause is teetering. Washington's determination to catch Arnold isn't just personal... It's an absolute necessity.
3: Like every war, people think that this is going to be over pretty quickly. And they could not have had the resources or understood what a protracted
5: thing this was going to be. The spirit of 1776 that had fueled this revolution in the beginning was long gone. The American people were tired of
7: war. Because the economy has collapsed, because Congress is ineffective, because people are losing focus. Even Washington admits that if this goes much longer, we've lost.
4: It's not just the spirit of the people that is flagging. It's the troops. Without sufficient food or salary, there are increasing incidents of mutiny within the Continental Army.
7: The troops are beginning to lose their hope in particular, they've not been paid. This is a big problem. Congress doesn't have the money.
2: So the soldiers are told, we'll, we'll pay you at the end of the war. They're being provided alcohol and firearms, but that's about it.
4: A nervous Washington writes to John Hancock, It is in vain to think an army can be kept together much longer under such a variety of sufferings as ours has experienced. And then... Unless some immediate and spirited measures are adopted to furnish at least three months' pay to the troops to clothe and feed them better, the worst that can befall us may be expected. He's right. The New Jersey troops are about to march on their own people in Trenton to demand what they're owed by force.
5: Washington is watching
4: the American war effort wither
5: on the vine and this adds to Washington's anxiety. How do I present as good a face on this as possible when actually things are not that good? Here's General Colin Powell. You have to understand these young people lost confidence in their leaders
0: which is where a mutiny comes from but you had to knock it down as fast as you could. You couldn't let it spread because it's like a virus. If it's not dealt with immediately it will infect the whole organization.
4: Mutiny threatens to destroy the army that George Washington has struggled to hold together through six years of war. Now, with the revolutionary cause at risk, he invokes the strict discipline he is known for. He orders General Howe, You will represent to them how dangerous to civil liberty the precedent is of armed soldiers dictating terms to their country. And General Howe makes that message clear.
7: The mutiny has been broken up. The men have been disarmed. They are ordered to reveal their ringleaders. The mutineers, they are given muskets and a choice. Execute your ringleader or be executed. They have to raise their muskets and at the order open fire on their own comrades.
0: It's good to be a nice guy. But at the end of the day, in those days, you had to use these tools to keep an organization together.
4: And he was up to that task. The mutiny crushed, Washington turns his attention back to the Redcoats. In the South, British General Charles Cornwallis has spent much of the past two years fighting in the Carolinas. Now he moves north to Virginia. General
7: Cornwallis is one of the ablest British generals. He's quick-minded. He moves aggressively. He knows how to handle troops in the field.
2: Lord Cornwallis decides, I'm going to go to Virginia. Virginia is home to Washington, home to Jefferson, all these patriot leaders. If I can make them suffer, maybe
4: I can get the patriots to come to terms. As Cornwallis takes center stage, Benedict Arnold, who has continued to burn and loot the state since his reinvention as a British general is losing favor with his new side.
0: Arnold is a great commander, and he was considered that way by the British. However, there are a lot of British officers who even see him as a traitor. He's a man with no honor.
4: Within a year, Arnold is on a ship bound for England with his family, never again to set foot on American soil. General Cornwallis, now in Virginia, chooses Yorktown as his base on the Chesapeake Bay. By July, the Royal Navy and roughly 8,000 troops are installed there. The post is easily accessible to the British fleet for resupply and reinforcement. But it's also vulnerable to the French, who finally see an opening to mount a decisive strike. Cornwallis doesn't realize that the French
2: are prepared to send a fleet to trap him.
5: In Virginia. The French Navy was about to arrive at the Chesapeake. If Washington and Rochambeau could get their armies down there as quickly as possible, the trap could shut around Lord Cornwallis.
4: They can and they do. In September, the French Navy scores a victory against the British by blocking the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay. The French General de Grasse sails from Haiti with about 3,200 troops. They trapped two British frigates inside the bay, preventing them from warning the rest of the Redcoats of the threat. The British, anticipating an attack in the north, had moored many of their ships in New York Harbor. They now must rush to defend Virginia instead. The French-American Alliance gains control over the waters around Yorktown. For once, the French Navy defeats the Royal
2: Navy and drives them away from the mouth of Chesapeake Bay.
7: This is the moment Washington has been looking for since 1775.
4: Within weeks, Cornwallis's forces are cut off from escape. With an alliance of 19,000 French and American soldiers, it's the most formidable fighting force Washington will ever command. Washington and his allies surround the British and prepare to lay siege. They create a series of parallel trenches that creep ever closer to the enemy with the goal of reaching musket-firing range. Washington orders his army. The present moment offers in prospect the epoch which will decide American independence and the glory and superiority of the Allies. The liberties of America and the honor of the Allied arms are in our hands.
5: This is the moment where it all comes together for Washington. It was almost beyond his ability to comprehend that finally, after six years of thinking it was all about to fall apart, it was all
4: on the edge of actually happening. General George Washington has dreamed of launching a grand assault on the enemy since the day the war began. And now he finally has the firepower. Thousands of troops and dozens of heavy guns bolster his arsenal, thanks to the French and their commander, Comte de Rochambeau. And Britain's focus is split between America and their conflicts with France and Spain across the Atlantic. October 14, 1781. On a moonless night, after firing incessant artillery to weaken British defenses... American and French forces prepare a surprise assault on the so called redoubts number 9 and 10, the fortifications that are the last line of defense that prevent the Americans from advancing their trench lines. To remain undiscovered as they advance, the soldiers are told not to load or prime their weapons. The password for the operation is Rochambeau, which the Americans translate as Rush on,
2: boys! Hamilton is Washington's essential staff officer. But he doesn't want to stay a staff officer because real glory comes if you lead men in combat to victory. Washington becomes dependent upon Hamilton's competence.
0: So he's reluctant to see Hamilton go. Washington recognizes his own self in Hamilton. Hamilton wants to command an army. This is how a man
5: is made. With Redoubt number 10, I think you see the American talent for improvisation. Uh, coming to the fore, they dispensed with the usual protocols of clearing the way before you stormed the ramparts. Hamilton said, "Let's just go for it."
4: Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Hamilton leads the charge to break through the last line of defense around Yorktown. The fighting is over in just a matter of minutes.
5: With the taking of Redoubt Number Ten, Hamilton is a legitimate war hero. In many ways, it's the making of
7: Hamilton. By the point those two redoubts are captured, the writing is on the
4: wall. From their position on the captured redoubts, the Americans unleash a punishing point-blank assault on the British. Unsure if the reinforcements he's requested will ever arrive, Cornwallis admits defeat. General Cornwallis to General Washington, October 17, 1781. Sir. I propose an immediate cessation of hostilities for twenty four hours, and that two officers be appointed from either side to discuss the terms of the surrender of the posts of York and Gloucester, etc. Cetera, et cetera.
3: Yorktown is a crucial, crucial moment in the war. The fact that the Americans win that battle has huge psychological as well as military consequences. On the British side, they're outraged that they've lost and that these Americans appear to have gotten the better of them.
0: The Brits never quite understood what they were getting into, and they underestimated the nation that had been created. It's a mistake many people have made over the years. When you're defending a piece of land that's yours, you're prepared to die for it.
4: On October 19th, after a three weeks-long siege, the two sides meet on the battlefield in a formal surrender ceremony.
2: Cornwallis is too embarrassed, so he pretends that he's sick and he sends out a subordinate to surrender the sword. This is the second British army to surrender. The main British army is still intact and still at New York City, but the will to fight in Great Britain is gone. When the word of Yorktown reaches Britain, Lord North, the Prime Minister says, Oh my God, it's over.
0: The British stop major action in North America, but from Washington's point of view, that might not be permanent. So he has to keep this army trained so it can respond and defend and fight if he needs to. There's a group
2: in the army that wants to march on Philadelphia and crown Washington emperor. If you do what you are thinking of doing, you will be undermining the very core principles that we have been fighting for for seven years. Not only will the American experiment be killed in its cradle, But it will reinforce everyone who says that self-government is not practical or possible.
3: He's done his duty. He doesn't assume that more is to come. and He doesn't know that there's going to be a new constitution. He doesn't know there's going to be anything called the presidency.
4: That's next time on Making Washington. Making Washington is a podcast from the History Channel, produced by Best Case Studios. For the History Channel, Jesse Katz and Jennifer Wagman are the executive producers, McKamey Lynn, supervising producer. The executive producer for Best Case Studios is Adam Pincus. Suzanne Myers is our producer. Ashley Warren is the associate producer. Daniel Turek edited and mixed this episode, with assistance from Max Michael Miller. Washington was originally produced by RailSplitter Pictures for the History Channel.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.